Well, good morning. Man, only God could have got us in this place. Yeah, praise God. Someday we'll have furniture for all the other places, but for now we at least have chairs and we're hanging out together. And as long as we're family and we're all here, uh, it's all good, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just exciting to be here. Uh, a couple things that I want to go over with you is that it's because it's our first weekend in this campus, I just want to pray with all of us as a family, a dedication over this property. So if you would just kind of join in with me, and I really mean this, that you would agree in your heart or out loud, whatever you want to do, uh, just agreeing with everything that I say that you do agree with. Uh, because I want all of us to join in together and praying dedication, all right, over this place. We want this to be established territory for our heavenly father and his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that all great gifts come from you. Lord, it was not great management that got us here. It was not Lord, the wiles of man, or it was not the brilliant plans of mankind. It was you directly that father, you found us the deal. You made a way you got us into the building. You continue to do the extraordinary. And therefore we will not take it for granted. We will not call it an accident. We will not call it anything other than you doing a miracle on our behalf. Therefore, may you be praised and glorified. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh on this place. That across across this whole campus, Lord, from the tip of the territory there on the corner, all the way to the back fence, from Washington all the way to industrial, that all 50 acres would be saturated with your presence. That, Lord, all tenants that come onto this land would be blessed because they got next to a place of God. I pray, Lord, that... Even that land would be soaking in the presence of you, Lord, every day. That whatever we build there in the future would rise up in glory. That, Lord, on this campus, like that tower, that communication tower that sends out into the world around us. Father, I pray that this would be a launching pad of your spirit. That, Lord, all the greater Sacramento region, all throughout Northern California and California, and out into the United States and into the world, may your glory rise from this place. God, I pray that this would be a place of compassion and love. I pray that anyone that walks onto this campus would first of all be washed in your blood, second of all filled with your spirit, and then they would meet your family that has a wide open heart that we might engage them and love on them. That though, Lord, we will stand firmly upon your word and we will completely be spirit-led, God, may we have an open, wonderful heart towards our neighbors around us would our neighborhoods lord feel that it's a wonderful thing to have a house of god in their area would our businesses around here be blessed would we be able to walk all around this county and they would say it is good that bridgeway is here And so, Father, we ask for a dedication upon this place. We lift up this building, this campus, this territory to you. And we ask that you would establish it as holy ground. 
that, Father, what you have done in our prior campus was glorious. But just as Elisha asked of you, Father, may we receive a double portion moving forward. That, Lord, we have crossed over and we are moving into a new promised land here. And I pray, God, that you would just rise up, rise up in the hearts of your people, that you would equip us, that you would make our minds sharp, that you would make our ears open to hear you. And that, Father, as we chase after your Holy Spirit, as we run after you, Jesus, that you might transform the world. May you be praised and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we have the, uh, we have a lot of the kids with us, as you can tell. We don't have any of the acoustic treatment on the wall, so it's a little bit loud and a little bit echoey. I get all that. That's all stuff that we still have to add in. Uh, but for all the kids that are here, I understand you may be bored out of your mind. I totally get it. Uh, but you know what? That's what cell phones are for. All right? Uh, when I was growing up, and my mom's here in the service, when I was growing up, I drew cartoons, uh, during church, and I got really good at it, all right? So by all means, uh, if you want to hang in with us and I'm going to try to make this a little bit shorter than normal, which that's a promise I don't normally keep. Uh, good luck. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Someone has attended before. Fantastic. Um, don't lie to children. Don't lie to children. Don't lie. Okay, here we go. Uh, I, I just want to welcome and make sure, just as Pastor Parnell said, uh, kids, you are always welcome. This is your home. This is your territory. That kids, when you walk through these hallways, uh, your family and you all collectively together, this is what we built together. And so it's very exciting. And I just want to say welcome to that. But let me, let me share this. I told you last week I was going to give you an update, right? Because you have been giving and giving and giving sacrificially. To be able to make this happen, we are now realizing all of this. We explained that our construction costs went over anything that we had thought, and so we're going to get all those numbers to you at the business meeting. However, I said, could we take a special offering over the last two weeks of things that we simply could not afford and we had to cut out of our budgeting? Well, I wanted to give you those numbers. Um, I understand you are all stretched. I understand that you've already been sacrificial. But I would like to just say this. Above and beyond normal giving, above and beyond all pledges being fulfilled, that over the last two weekends, you have contributed $22,800. Praise God. Now, in, in some ways, someone would go, yeah, 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 okay, so the things that you mentioned, yeah, they're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Here's what is amazing to me. We broke out the numbers. 10,500 of that number was from 34 brand new households. To me, that is the most impressive number. Praise God. And it's impressive to me because what I've been trying to convey to you is I want everyone to feel like this is your home. So whether it's a dollar or two dollars or a hundred dollar, whatever it is, when you contributed and we have everybody a part of this, it just makes it feel like family. And so thank you so much for joining in with us. I told you on that special giving time, hey, if you're brand new and you want to be a part of this, or if God has blessed you extra in the last six months and you feel like you can contribute, would you please do so? Well, 
The other part, 12,300 of it, was from 39 households who gave above and beyond pledges, meaning they already gave and now they sacrificially gave more. Can we just thank them for their generosity? I have consistently told you that we in this church, as large as we are, we do not have um, extraordinary million-dollar givers and things like that. We have always done things for the last almost 20 years, done things as a family, and we do it collectively. We have never pressured you. We have never done a big drive like that. We, we've always just come to you honestly, like family. You have always responded with generous hearts, and I can't thank you enough. We want to always respect you. And treat you like we would our own family members of which you are. So I would like to change gears for a moment. Is that all right? Would you take out the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door? I want to begin. We're going to be in our God Meets World series. We're in part eight. But I, I want to just talk to you a little bit about who we are as a family. As we go through this year of identity. And especially as we're establishing the whole new launch of our church of a new season. I want to make sure that our identity is very firmly rooted in who God is. So I want to tell you our family style. And I want to begin with just some thoughts. Um, We are a church that believes in the priesthood of all believers. Amen? Amen. Now, what does that mean? The priesthood of all believers means that everybody that has been rescued or saved by Jesus Christ, who is a child of God, has direct access to their Lord. We no longer need to go through an intermediary to get there. But when you cry out in your heart, in your home, in your car, that God hears you directly. And that we believe that it is not merely the professional ministers that do stuff. It is the body of Christ that does stuff. So let me explain that a little bit. What I do for a living, the fact that I am a paid professional minister is an anomaly. It is the oddity. It is not how Christianity is primarily designed. Christianity is primarily designed and has flourished for 2,000 years through tent makers, people that have a day job and then they do ministry along the way. That is how Christianity has always been built. The whole idea that there are professional ministers is because the issue had to be forced and it was a special calling that God had. When Paul the apostle first began, he began having a day job. He made tents, and then he made sure to minister to people along the way. That's how it's supposed to be. Along the way, his leadership was demanded to do it full-time, and he became a professional minister. But that was not the original plan. If we wait for all the staff or professional ministers to get stuff done, nothing's going to get done. There's simply not enough of them. And it's not appropriate The reason why I mention all this is because we believe that you as the family of God are just as anointed as anyone on staff. That if you have the Holy Spirit and all of you that are saved have the Holy Spirit, if God is dwelling in you, you are the difference. When you come across someone and they have a need, you do not need to say, hold on, I'm going to go get a pastor. 
you are already equipped, you are already anointed, you are already called to do it yourself as a family of God. Therefore, we want all our family to rise up and take the authority and the power that God has given us and advance the kingdom forward. We do not need to wait for anybody that's on stage. We do not need to wait for anybody that is on a speaking role. We can do it ourselves. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to lead to a point. We are a church that believes God is still talking to his people and leading them. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are a church that believes that all Christians have gifts and talents given by God to be used for the building up of the body and the spreading of the gospel in the world. Amen? We are a church that believes in divine appointments and spirit-led engagements. Amen? Amen. Now, let me just unpack that for a moment. Some of you are not familiar with that phrase. A divine appointment is what we call coincidence. All right. It's the idea that you're going through Walmart and you run into another believer and you go, wow, we have a lot in common. That's not an accident. That's called a divine appointment. When you run into someone and they say to you, wow, I'm really having a hard day today. That's not an accident. That's a divine appointment. Why? You then pray for that person and things begin to change. Whenever you're wandering around and you happen to say, oh, I can do that. I see a need and I'm equipped to handle that. That's not an accident. That's a divine appointment. We believe that divine appointments happen all throughout the day that God orchestrates and sets things in our pathway that we might live a Christian life where we're actively doing something all the time. But do we have the eyes to see? Do we have the ears to hear? Hmm. We are a church that believes it's easier for God to direct a living, flowing river than a stagnant stream. That means we should be doing things for him and expectant and ready to move, not waiting on our couch to be roused. In other words, get out there and be who you are. Be joyful, be aloud, right? Show people that Jesus Christ is in the mix. I was recently um, uh, down in San Francisco having a, uh, a daddy-daughter trip where whenever my girls turn 12, I take them on a special little trip with dad and we, we talk about guys. We do all this kind of stuff, right, from a, from a man's perspective. And, and so we were having a special trip with my daughter. And, and as we were coming back, we had to stop at Kohl's in Vallejo. And I, I happened to be wearing a T-shirt. You all remember the evangelist Sean Smith that we have come in and speak? Yeah, great, great man. Well, his son makes t-shirts, so I was wearing one of his t-shirts, and it says, by his stripes. Now, I happened to be wearing that, and I was walking in Kohl's, and we were looking at different things, and there was a man there, and he was doing some inventory, and he looks over and he goes, by his stripes. Man, by his stripes, we are healed. And it was so awesome. It was super cool. And I was like, that's right, right? And so we had this little dialogue and everything, and he just was beaming. Um, the idea is that's not an accident. He needed some type of encouragement, and God had me walk in there just to let him know, listen, you're not alone. So what I guess I'm trying to say is let's live aloud. Let's live out there that Jesus Christ is there so it's easier for the Lord to direct us. As opposed to saying, God, I'm at home. If you really wanted me to do something, you'd send me a fully functioning list and plan for me to take on. That is not correct, right? All right. 
We are a church that believes church is about participation, not merely observation. Amen? Amen. All right. If all that is true, when we come to church, we have something to do. What do I mean? This is a special time to minister to one another. Most of us do not see each other during the week. This is your one opportunity. Therefore, when you come to church, you're on. You have something to bring. The Bible talks about everyone in the body has giftings to build the body up. Well, when are you most going to do that when the body is together? Therefore, when we get together, who are you going to bless? Who are you going to care for? Who are you going to pray with, right? Now, I dream of a time and a day when we all feel so equipped and used to using our gifts that I could say from up here, all right, for the next 10 minutes... We're all ministering to one another. All right, go. And everybody spills around and saying, man, I've been praying about you all week. I just wanted to see how you're doing. Other people would go, are you doing all right? I'm here for you if you need me. That kind of stuff. But we're not there yet. So in the meantime, what does it mean to say that you have a job and a role here at church? Here's what it means to me. That we prepare our hearts during the week and pray about what God may want us to do at church this weekend, that we gear up for who we might be able to pray with, that we think about who might we be able to encourage, that we might be on the lookout for someone who is sitting alone or needing compassion, that we might maybe bring an extra 20 bucks and prepare to hand it to someone in need, that perhaps we may have a song that we've been worshiping to all week long. And the minute the band leads out with it, you know the Holy Spirit was prepping that. And when they hit that song, you go ballistic. Right? Every day. We may even come with a need that allows someone else to fulfill that need. Because there's a beautiful thing about being able to pray with someone who has a hurt and God minister to that hurt. You don't always come full. I get it. Sometimes you just come broken. And that's not wrong. When you come in and someone else is able to minister to you, you have to be open up enough for them to know you're hurting so they can pray with you and care for you. But that blesses them. My point is simply this. When you walk onto this campus, this is your dad's house. And if it's your dad's house, then you have not only freedom... But you also have responsibility and chores to do, which means when you walk around, I want your eyes alert. What are you being asked to do? What is he guiding and directing? If you see a need, most other people probably aren't seeing that need that is being highlighted for you. When you walk onto this campus, you own this place. It means you walk the hallways with confidence. It means that it doesn't matter whether you're staff or not. It means that you get a chance to walk into this place and say, this is my house of worship. It means that if you see something that needs to be done or moved over and you go through the proper channels, just get it done. Because that's what you would do if we were in your home. I want us to move forward as a family acting like an empowered family. That it's not just left to the professionals. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's talk about the main message. Turn open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. As I said, we are in part 8 of our God Meets World series. And I entitled 
uh, today's message, walk humbly with your God. And I just want to draw your attention to that fill in the blank. Let me just say this. The beginning of wisdom, the Bible says, is to fear the Lord. That means to respect him, to know that he is big, to know that he is awesome. And I bet you anything that the kids who are with us today have been trained up to know this even better than we do. And here's what they would tell you if they could. Our God is forever. Our God is the almighty one. That our God is the creator. That our God is the savior. That our God is all knowing. That our God is everywhere at once. And if that is true, then that means God knows our thoughts. He sees our dreams. He hears our words. He watches our actions. And he knows the intentions and motivations of our heart. Yes? Yes. If that is the case, then the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is true. There is nothing so foolish as pride against God. There is nothing so foolish as pride against God. Have you ever heard the phrase or the concept, the difference between stated values and shadow values? I heard this recently from a trusted friend of mine, and I've been dwelling on it a lot. There's that which we say we believe, and then that which we live out. Those are really different. I think all of us, to a T, would say, I believe God is big. I believe God is in charge. I believe God is all-powerful. I believe God is sovereign. I believe God is mighty, right? But the way that we act doesn't act like that at all. Every time we disobey God, we are saying, God, I'm more important than you are. So what do we really believe? Do we truly believe that God is awesome? Then where is the respect? If we truly believe that God is all-knowing, then why do we continue to live as if he doesn't know our secrets? We have to align what we say we believe with what we truly believe or live out. And I don't think we're doing that. If we truly believe that God is who he says he is in his word, we would live very differently. And he would have far more respect. Is that true? I believe it is. And this is what I think the author of Ecclesiastes is trying to get to. Let's pick it up. I'm just going to read the first line and I want to comment. Here's what he said. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If you have a Bible, it's around page 555. I'll be reading out of the ESV as normal. Ecclesiastes 5.1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. What does that mean? Watch yourself. Watch yourself when you walk into the presence of God. Now, this is the part that sometimes we have a hard time wrestling with because in one sense, God is everywhere, right? And I always tell you, God is in the car with you. God is in school with you. God is at your work with you. God is wherever you're going that if he dwells within us, then he is continually with us, right? But there's other times where God changes the atmosphere, that different things occur. 
For example, if you got God in a bunch of individual believers and they all coalesce and collect in one place, that's a lot of power of the Holy Spirit. Because in the same way as a husband and wife come together and God is more well represented between masculine and feminine, what about when you have a whole bunch of the gifts, whole bunch of the body of Christ all joined together? Does that not reflect the Lord better than individual. It does. Therefore, atmospheres change. When you walk in here, it's not the same as when you're in your car. That the presence and power actively going on in this room is more powerful than if we are alone. That's why God likes to get us together. Because he does different things. There's a beauty in individual personal connection and there's a beauty in corporate power. When he says, I want you to guard your steps when you go into the house of God, I don't think we fully understand what respect means. Understand that in modern day world, we don't respect anybody. That we still have no respect for government. We have no respect for authority. We have no risk. We'll just say whatever we want. We'll even post it publicly and we don't have any qualms about that. We have, we're very common with the idea that even the president's kids mouth off to him. We don't know anything about the idea of a king or someone that has power over life or death. But remember back in the day when Jesus was around, the Roman law was that the father had power over life and death. He could kill his own family without any problem. No, we have no idea about that type of authority and power. So when we come to discuss God, because we have nothing to respect in this world, we don't have enough respect for God. But if God is massive and powerful, should we not respect that? And you go, yeah, but he's my daddy. You're right. He's awesome and he's gentle and loving and kind. But what I'm saying is atmosphere shift. There is one approach when you're hanging with God, laughing with God, joking with God and being at the lake. That is one time of being with God. Then there's a time when you corporately come together to do warfare, spiritual warfare. We're all in a prayer meeting together and we're trying to advance the kingdom and shut down the enemy. Two different atmospheres. They deserve different attitudes. Correct? One you take very seriously and one you're just relaxed. Both are good. They're just different. He moves on. He said, if you're going to walk into the presence of God, here's my advice to you. To draw near to listen to God is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. They don't even know they're doing evil. Hmm. What does that mean? What's the sacrifice of fools? Your opinion. That's the sacrifice. Hey, God, I got this great idea. Oh, do you? It's already dumb. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? Whatever you're about to say next, it's probably not a great idea. What we do is we continue to tell God, no, 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 I got this one. No, 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 I know it better. No, 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 Lord, you messed up here. No, 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 you're not answering the right request. Lord, you're late. And we have all these opinions that we want to tell God what he's doing wrong. That's the sacrifice of fools. God said, hold up. When you walk in, first thing you should do, open your ears. Because I got something to say to you. And I want to encourage you. This is an area of respect. When I read the word of God, 
I want you to shut off your filters and I want you to listen to the word of God for you. The minute I step out of the word of God and start giving my opinion on it, I want your filter to go back up. Does that make sense? Because I have error in what I'm saying. But when we're talking through the unadulterated word of God, I want you to be able to receive it. Because if you always have a wall up, you won't receive anything. But I do not pretend that I know all truth. Therefore, the minute I step out of that, boom, you should have a filter on. But if God is speaking, should we not listen? A lot of our prayer times are walking right in and telling God what's wrong. I don't think that's necessary. It's okay to do that. I just don't think it's as useful as we might imagine. Because if he does know the intentions and thoughts, do you realize the only reason you can pray, the only reason why you understand there's a problem is because he gave you that ability. So he came up with it first and then told you. So we're not telling him something he doesn't know, right? All right, let's keep moving forward. Verse two, do not be rash with your mouth, meaning telling God your thoughts, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, meaning promising what you're going to do for him. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. So you don't know what you're talking about. Therefore, let your words be few, meaning listen more than talk. For a dream, literally and figuratively, a dream, like in our minds at night, comes with much busyness. Our minds get busy and we have dreams. In the same way, a fool's voice tends to show up when a whole bunch of words are around. All right. Don't be rash with your mouth. Here's the thing. We misunderstand God and we treat him like a vending machine. Or we treat God like a butler. Or we treat God like a capricious king. And what we say is, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Do you understand God does not need to do a deal with you? That you'll go, Lord, I will continue to go to church. I will give you the great church attendance if you will only fix my cancer. Do you understand that you have a heavenly father that wants the best for you? And that you don't need to wow him with your promises. That you don't need to finagle him and manipulate him and try to get his attention. The Bible says that his eyes are upon you continually. So you're not rousing him. One of the things that happened in the Old Testament, if you remember when Elijah went head to head with the bad guys, the prophets of Baal. Do you remember this? And they had two different altars. He said, whichever God responds, that is the God we will serve. Do you remember how the other team started? They spent all their time trying to rouse their God and get his attention. It was so absurd that Elijah made fun of them for it. Oh, really? You got to get your, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe you got to get louder. You got to get more extreme. And that's all literally what was in the story. And then he steps over to his side and he says, God, I know you're already listening. Show them who you are. Wham! All this fire comes crashing down. Right? That was to wake up most of you. You're all paying attention now. God is already listening. We don't need to finagle him. We don't need to manipulate him. 
We merely need to say, Father, you know my needs. You know I'm crushed here. You know I'm hurting. And Lord, if there is a way that you can teach me the same lessons without having to go this route, I'm listening. God, if you need me to walk through this, I'll walk through it. But God, if you want to take it away, I would love for you to take it away. But we don't need to say, God, I'll give you this if you'll give me this. Hmm. Verse 4. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not promise than you should promise and not follow through on it. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that, oops, it was a mistake, I want to take it back. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? All right, we're going to make this real simple. When you promise something to God, follow through on it. Okay, why? Because it's a respect issue. It's not like God doesn't know we're dumb, (laughs) right? Where he's like, you're like, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to totally save all of Africa. And then, Lord, at the same time, I'm going to save all of China. And then, Lord, I'm going to... He's like, hey, you know what? You don't even share with your neighbor. So, dude, I know you're not doing any of this stuff. It's not like he doesn't get that, right? And he's going to compensate for his child, right? But... He also needs to hold you accountable that you're not allowed to just say whatever you want and not follow through on it. That's not good parenting. If you promise something, you said, I swear I'll clean my room. The parent knows that you commit a lot to things you're not going to follow through on. But you as a parent still hold them accountable for that, right? Right. You told me you would do it. I need you to get it done. That's all it means. Have a respect for God. Let's finish it out with this. For when dreams increase with a lot of busyness and words grow many through foolishness, there is vanity and waste. What we really need is that God is the one you must respect, right? In other words, don't buy your own press. Sometimes we get all hyped up with just excitement and over eager and we're like, God, I'm going to do incredible things and then I'm going to do this and we get these new ideas and we start going ballistic. Here's what he really wants. Hey, listen to me. And when I tell you, would you do it? Well, Lord, I want to go save everybody. I know you do. How about you're just obedient today? Well, Lord, that's not very fun. I know. Well, Lord, it's not very exciting. I know. But here's the deal. All the stuff you just said. That would be awesome. You're probably not going to do any of it, okay? So as opposed to just spinning your wheels, how about you do stuff with me and get traction? Just do what I'm asking you to do. I know what I'm doing. Track with me. All right. We talked a lot about respect this morning. And so I want to leave with a caution. That respect is in the eye of the beholder. What you mean by respect and what someone else means by respect are very different. Let me give you an example. Being loud or quiet in church, which one is more respectful? Depends on where you came from, right? There are some backgrounds that you came from that you are taught and trained that when the teacher is talking, you don't talk, right? Like in the classroom. Whenever the teacher is talking, you are silent out of respect, And that's what creates some church cultures, that when the pastor is talking, no one else is talking. Do you understand that there's a complete opposite culture? That the idea that you would go to church and be silent is rude. 
It's not respectful at all. They're up there and they're trying to say, is anybody with me? And and when everyone's like, nope, I'm not. Okay. That's brutal. Right? When there's no amens, there's no encouragement, there's no saying I'm along with you and all that. The whole idea of silence is completely disrespectful. So which one is respectful? Depends on where you came from, right? So let's be careful of judging one another about which one it is. For example, some people would come in here and go, it's silent in here, that's disrespectful. Some people would say, well, they're talking and amening, that's disrespectful. Come on, neither one of them are. All right? The second thing that I would think, what about singing or not singing in church? Right? There's some of you going crazy. Wow! You're just praising the Lord, right? And you're like, karaoke night, woo! I love this song. I'm so good at this song, right? And you're going for it. And then there's others of you that make the Amish sound loud. You understand what I mean? It's like, what in the world? Where's your beard? Well, which one is more respectful? Well, it depends on what's going on in your heart. Because if you're loud for inappropriate reasons, that's not good. If you're quiet for inappropriate reasons, that's not good. But if you're doing something in your heart towards the Lord, the point of all worship times is engagement. If you're engaged, we're all good. So let's not make a judgment of, oh, they're singing loud because they're looking for attention. Oh, they're singing not at all because their spirit is dead. You know what I'm talking about? All right, let's cut each other some slack. What about hats or no hats, suits or shorts? What are you supposed to wear to church? What's more respectful? Well, let me, let me explain something. Because if you come from one culture, you wear your Sunday best. Why? Because if you're going to go meet the president, you don't wear shorts. You dress up, right? And so in that culture, you would go, man, God deserves honor. So therefore, I should prep accordingly. There are some cultures where wearing hats is absolutely not only appropriate, it is, a, it is encouraged, right? Mostly for the women. Now, on the other end, you would, for other generations, you would say men wearing hats in church. Now that's wrong because we were taught that it was wrong. But really, why is it wrong? Come to find out the newer generation has a completely different view. Why? What's their view? They were raised in an environment that says if you're coming to church and you're dressing one way and acting one way and you don't do that at home, you have no integrity. You're lying. Stop with a whole get up and then you go home. And if you're going to wear a suit at home, great, wear a suit at church. But don't do the same thing. Don't don't have two different lives. Oh, what you're going to make uh, make yourself look good at church, and then you're just going to live a totally different way. That's completely disrespectful. So the newer generation has a complete reversal on it, and they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. hats mean nothing. It's a it's a it's simply a thing that you do for fashion, or you go, I have bedhead, <laughs> so I got a hat on. It's not a big deal. It doesn't mean anything anymore. And so when the two cultures come together, everyone's judging each other. But shouldn't the heart matter? Why are you doing what you're doing? All right. Final thoughts. On your phones or in your Bibles. Do y'all realize that the phones today have the Bibles on them? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. (laughs) What about taking notes or listening deeply? Because as a teacher... When I was growing up, I took notes. I also doodled. Why? Because I had to multitask so I could pay attention. 
So for me, I was always drawing or writing and I always got in trouble when they said, you're not paying attention. Oh, I heard every word they said. I just had my mind spinning so fast. I had to do something else to calm me down so I could listen. For some of you, you learn by looking at it. I'm a visual learner. When I write something down or I see your name printed, this is how I used to pass all my tests in elementary school. I would look at a list of all the spelling words and I would go and I'd take a picture of it in my mind and I had no idea what the words meant. The whole bottom line is when the test came out, I would look back at my mind. How did it look when I saw it on the paper and I would recopy it down on my page that allowed me to get good grades. I didn't study. I took a picture in my mind. So understand some of you are visual learners. Some of you have to see it. So you're writing notes and that's how you learn. It's not disrespectful or respectful. It all depends on what's going on in your heart. So let's finish with this. I believe that Bridgeway is only getting more diverse. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And I'm talking, I mean, whether it's generationally, ethnically, personality, church background, it doesn't matter. I love diversity. And the more different we can be, the more God is glorified. Amen. Amen. Therefore, if we're getting more diverse, then we need to kick up the grace and keep down the judgment. Yeah. And amen. And what are you supposed to do in church? Whatever is natural to you. If it's natural to you to amen, you amen, right? If it's natural for you to sing out loud, you sing out loud. If it's natural for you to be quiet, great. But the bottom line is, are you engaged? If you're engaged, then God is glorified. Amen? Amen. Y'all, this is the Lord's house. This is your dad's house. That means you have a tremendous amount of freedom and empowerment here. But it also means you have chores to do. Therefore, when you are on this campus, you are on. You are always keeping your eyes alert to what the needs are, and you're meeting those needs. You do not wait for anyone else that has a name badge to do it. It's your job. So you do it. Why? Because we're all the same in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Could I have the prayer team step up here? Our prayer team is here as anointed individuals. They are not paid professional ministers. They are just like you, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and they have a heart to lead you and guide you. They came here today hoping that they could pray with you and meet a need. I'm going to be praying over them that they might be covered and empowered by God to minister to you. So if you have a need after we get done praying, by all means, come on up here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for a glorious, beautiful weekend in church. I thank you, God, for the way that you have blessed us. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you have knit us together as a family. I pray more of that, Holy Spirit, that we might be able to be partnered up, that we might be able to be loving and compassionate and crazy for you. Lord, I pray an anointing of your Holy Spirit upon every one of these prayer team members. That, Lord, whatever you want to accomplish in your kingdom, Holy Spirit, you would meet right here at the altar. May this altar be dedicated to you that the prayer requests brought up here and all throughout this campus would be heard from on high. And that you would respond in power 
Father, be with our family as we leave today. Send us out into the world and turn everything upside down for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.